0: Good morning, everybody. A bit of volatility creeping into our market ASX 200 in the last few days has been up 80, down 92, up 111, down 73, down 63 today. This is the Marcus Today members podcast on Tuesday 6th of February, general advice only. Generally speaking, volatility marks turning points. You get this period of indecision. It sort of suggests that the market's in two minds and might be about to turn around. Whether it's been going down or going up, it has obviously been going up. We've tested that all-time high for the sixth time in the last week, and it looks like we are now coming off again. So we're making a couple of changes today. We are selling the Fang ETF trade. We've only made a 5.4% profit, but I think we were very lucky whilst our market was going down to catch a 20% rise in Meta on. On the back of its results and a very solid rise from some of the other now rather frothy big tech stocks. The big tech results season in the US is over. So it's hard to see what's going to drive some of these stocks up. And just to point out, AMD up 25% in a month. Amazon up 17%. Meta up 30%. Microsoft up 10%. Netflix 18%. Nvidia up 41%. That would have made a good post-it note on your trading screen on January the 3rd. Sell everything. Put it all into Nvidia. Here for a month. Sell it again And that's you done for the year Up 41% in one month in NVIDIA The AI theme pays off yet again Anyway, the good news is We have sat in the NASDAQ ETF And the S&P 500 ETF In the strategy portfolio Since the 1st of November And that's gone very well for everybody And we also bought the Fang ETF Only a week or so ago We made a 5.4% profit if you sold it on the open today. So happy to have done that. But I do think we should be taking some profits. And the reason for that is another sharp rise in bond yields. That comes after two things. One, Powell's comments at the Fed meeting that it's a little bit too early to expect interest rate cuts in May on the back of that US bond yields have popped up. And despite a lower than expected Australian CPI number, our bond yields have popped up as well. And that's also Also been caused by the US jobs number on Friday, which came out stronger than expected and again has rather killed hopes of early rate cuts. Just have a look at the chart of bond yields in the newsletter today and you'll see what I mean. Bond yields going up again. The chances of a rate cut in the US in March is down to 14.5%. A couple of months ago, it was 80%. And the chance of a rate cut in May are back from 100% to 61.9%. So rate cuts getting less likely. Patience is a virtue in the US and bond yields going up. And that's, if it wasn't for this big tech bounce on the back of those meta results and a few other results. If it wasn't for the big tech bounce, US market would be tumbling away, I think, at this point in time without any new US big tech results on the horizon. I think it will probably tumble away from here anyway. So selling the FANG, happy to hold the FANG in the strategy portfolio. We've got a small 10% holding in the strategy portfolio. It is more geared to the AI theme than the NASDAQ. We do have Goldman Sachs. Sachs upgrading NVIDIA today upgraded their target price from, I think, $625 to $800 ahead of the results on February 21st. Average target price on NVIDIA is still about 20% above the current share price of $693. Goldman Sachs's target price, $800. So the AI theme still running. I have a funny feeling that what will happen is the same thing that happened last set of results and the set of results previously to that. NVIDIA rallies into results and then the results really have to be fabulously, glamorously, irrationally exuberant to keep the share price going. So share price up 40% in a month ahead of results. Goldman Sachs upgrading again. How far can this AI rally go? It can go. But happy to hold in the strategy portfolio, but just taking a profit on the general tone in the market. This new volatility we've got in the Australian and US market suggests that we might now come off the top. And it looks like we may have hit that resistance level for the sixth time and are falling away. So selling FANG in the trading portfolio, holding it in the strategy portfolio. The other thing we're doing today, we're selling Fortescue Metals. It's up from $19 to $30 in only four months. These are long-duration trading stocks, the resources stocks. You cannot trade them on fundamentals. There is a fund manager saying in Australia that BHP, Rio and Fortescue always peak when they look to be their cheapest and bottom when they look to be at their most expensive. They look cheap still and they have got results coming up and they have got dividends coming up, but we're selling FMG in the income and growth portfolios. We are looking to trim the number of holdings in the income portfolio anyway, so this helps us do that. But after this rally with the iron ore price, now have a look at the chart in the newsletter. With the iron ore price now having a reasonably material dip, we think it's time to take profits in FMG glad we as well don't hold BHP in the BHP one stock portfolio still in cash in that portfolio resisted buying it after the recent short term bounce and that's now looking reasonably sensible happy to be holding Rio BHP in our main portfolios longer term but FMG's a little bit more sharp a stock so just going to take a profit there and that also passes a message that if you are thinking of buying BHP and Rio you might just want to wait a minute so selling FMG in both income And growth portfolios. We're now in 10% cash. Thanks to that, we're now in 10% cash in both those portfolios. I would just point out the average broker target price on FMG at the moment is 25% below the current share price. And the recommendations are sell, sell, underperform, sell, sell, hold. Not that I'd ever take notice of what the brokers are saying about resources stocks, because what drives resources share prices is not broker forecasts. today. What drives the share prices of BHP, Rio and Fortescue is the iron ore price tomorrow. And that goes for all commodity stocks and their underlying commodity price. So it's selling FMG. I am loathe, I have to say, to be selling FMG because it sits in our portfolios with a close to 100% gain. We look like geniuses. If we sell it, it just disappears, and suddenly we don't look quite as clever as we do if we just leave FMG in there. But there you go. We debated that. The question, or what tipped us over the edge, was if we were running our own portfolios without any transparency in the secrecy of our own homes, would we sell FMG? And I'd have to say yes, I would. Other than that, what can I tell you? Futures this morning were down 33. We're down 65. We've been as low as down 84. So our market really has tipped over in the last two or three days. Oil price holding up, still holding. Woodside in the ideas portfolio. Telstra doing us no harm, so still holding that. All the metal prices down overnight. U.S. dollars going up on the back of bond yields. That was up 0.53% overnight. So the Aussie dollars down below 65, 64.81 at the moment. Other other observations, gold price coming off down $14 overnight, but gold stocks in particular getting belted overseas. You've got Newmont down 3.1% overnight. Another observation is these lithium stocks are still getting trashed here. Arcadium, which was the merger between Allchem in Australia and Livent Livent. I still don't know how to pronounce that company. Anyway, thankfully now it's called Arcadium. They merged on 4th of January. That listed price in Australia, LT. T.M. is the code, is down 43% since they merged. That's in one month. One of the biggest lithium stocks down 43%, can you believe? Probably got a little bit hyped up over the merger. But overnight... We've got Albemarle down 5%, Sigma Lithium down 14%, Arcadium down 8% overseas, Lithium America down 9%, Piedmont down 9.7%, American Lithium down 15%, Atlas Lithium down 18%, this is in one night, one night, It's lithium space just getting trashed. So, other observations, lithium going down, interest rates going up, iron ore price now going down. We've got BA not BHP, we've got CBA results a week today. CBA looking, and see the charts in the newsletter, looking to be about as expensive as it's been almost ever. The bank sector now overbought on a weekly basis, and it hasn't been overbought on a weekly chart since 2021, and then prior to that 2017. So a rare event. The banks are set up to be sold on any disappointment. Over this result season, but remember the article last week that they've got six billion dollars worth of provisions, unnecessary provisions, says which broker was it? Was it Goldman Sachs? That they can add back and flatter their own earnings and return on equity if they so chose to do, which they might with this result season anyway. Brokers' average target price on the CBA 20% below the current share price. Recommendations: sell underweight, underperform, hold, neutral, hold. Not that I ever take any notice of what brokers think of the CBA because they always have it as a sell and then it outperforms all the rest of the banks. But it is set up to disappoint with these results. Highest PE possibly ever. Brokers ready to say sell at a blink. See what they turn up with. The banks do usually peak a week ahead of results and we are exactly a week ahead of results. Don't let that spoof any of you out of the CBA. The result's could be good they've got the dividend coming up but For those of you who bother to trade, and let me just tell you, some of the international institutions, of course, don't get franking, and they know the share prices get pumped in Australia ahead of the dividends because people are chasing franking. They don't get franking, so international institutions tend to sell the banks just before the dividends because they feel they get overly penalized for holding the stocks when they go ex-dividend because of the franking. So there is a tendency for them to sell off ahead of results. Don't let that put you off if you are chasing the dividends and if you're a long-term shareholder they will be fine even if they do come off the top after results as they usually do got charts of the s&p 500 and nasdaq in the newsletter today no sign of them peaking materially it's got to be said just the asx 200 in the last few days we got the rba meeting today no chance they're going to do anything but after that lower than expected cpi number last week they should be making some soothing comments yet again about policy settings being on target to bring inflation back to target rate cut hopes after that CPI number last week have shortened up from November next year to August. Some expecting an even earlier cut. They've also got a statement on monetary policy out today. They've also got a two-day meeting, which is a rarity under this new structure for the RBA. So let's see how they go. Nick Scarly up 12% on results today. This is a stock that yields 7% gross. Always seems to jump on its results. Doesn't everybody own an Italian leather sofa by now? Clearly not. And if you're a value investor, you'd look at those numbers and say, "Yep, yeah, 35% discount to intrinsic value value, 7% yield, PE of 14, price to sales of just 2.3 times. What's not to like? Appen. Did you see that fall over yesterday? Lost a contract with Google, which they had no idea they were going to lose. CEOs stepped down. I think I wrote this up in a stock take a couple of years ago, and I concluded that this was the classic stock that if you can't understand what they do, you shouldn't be holding them. It's another stock like Afterpay or lithium stocks that has a boom and and then after that it's downhill and everybody talks about it. Everybody thinks they're going to catch the bottom and it just keeps going down. Slater and Gordon did that at my expense. Learned my lesson. What else we got? King Charles undergoing treatment for prostate cancer. England only just beat Italy in the Six Nations. Well done, Italy. Trump doesn't want to debate any Republican candidates, but he does want to debate Biden immediately. Donald's results down 3.7% last night. Disappointing results. You would have thought with the weight loss, drugs around these days, McDonald's would be booming. Cochlear down 5.4% today. I must have missed something. Nothing on the announcements, but share price. Is that an all-time high prior to today's sell-off? We just should have bought Cochlear, CSL, ResMed, when everybody was throwing them out with the bathwater last year. What else today? I can see some of the stocks that benefit out of interest rates going up. Going up today, QBE in particular, IAG as well, Suncorp. Defensive stock's doing well today. Tech stock's not doing so well. Wise tech down 4%. Zero down 2.6%. Block down 2.4%. And lithium stock's getting carted out again today. Arcadian Cadium down 5.5%. Mineral resources one7 Yep, resources really on the nose. GQG, which Henry added to his portfolio. And we were thinking of adding to our income portfolio, but didn't. GQG doing rather nicely at the moment. Up 2.1% sent we are they have six percent of their funds under management in India. I don't think they're really an Indian play, but it does help Indian economies booming along. We were looking at buying NDIA, which is the ETF that matches the nifty fifty in India. We're just gonna wait whilst the markets are doing this. But still, that could be one of the themes for 2024, buying India. There is another ETF as well, which picks on the quality stocks in India, IIND. Somebody emailed in why you buy NDIA. DIA, the Nifty 50 instead of IIND. I don't like ETFs that make quality decisions. I prefer passive ETFs that just match an index. No humans involved. Give me an algorithm over someone being a smarty pants with their algorithm. And that's what's happening in all these qual style ETFs. I just prefer to buy the Indian index, quite honestly. And we're just pausing on that for the moment. are up 12% on results as well today. And out of the top 20 just Telstra and, we- and Woodside. The two stocks we hold in our ideas portfolio are in the black. All the rest are down. BHP down 1.2% today. We don't hold it at the moment in the one-stock portfolio. Wondering whether we should sell Macquarie in the Macquarie one-stock portfolio. Market going down. A bit short-term though. On the education front, right, I'll have i sh- I'll publish something about that. I'm going to write an article about it. But If you remember last week, we were talking about SMFF strategies. And I was saying you could leave it in an industry fund, chase income, chase growth, or do what we do in the strategy portfolio, just chase ETFs. Well, I've got an email from somebody saying, "I'm thinking of setting up a self-managed super fund. Should I?" Very general question. Let me just give you three options for anyone considering setting up an SMSF. The obvious one is don't do it. Don't set up an SMSF. It may sound clever, and I, with respect to some of the financial planners and accountants that instigate the idea that you should set up an SMSF, even if there is some mild tax advantage from being in an SMSF, you. You really need to think about whether you should be because do you really want the hassle? One of the fabulous things about a bland retail super fund or an industry fund is that you don't have to fuss. You don't even have to think about your super. You set up an SMSF, suddenly you will find you're in a whole load of correspondence. You're having to do various things. You're seeing a financial planner every year, paying extra fees. You've got an accountant asking for this and that for his auditor's report. It's all a pain in the ass. So for those of you not interested, the first option is just don't bother setting up an SMSF. And as I say, you will find almost every financial professional, once you've got a to a significant level of, significant enough, level of wealth will tell you that you really should set up an SMSF because it gives you flexibility, because you can do things which are tax efficient. But the reality is that structure has a cost not just in dollars, but in time spent, stress, and you can avoid the whole lot by just staying in an industry fund or a super fund, retail super fund, and letting somebody else to do it. Do it. It is cheap and it is low risk. The problem with it is, it is also probably low return, but that's the handoff. For instance, let me give you this. When the pandemic happened and the market dropped 30% in 35 days or whatever it did, somewhere close to that, most balanced funds, which are in every asset class, most industry or retail super funds, which are which put you into almost every asset class or common asset class, be that fixed interest, cash, property, property exposures, not property directly, international equities, domestic equities. And those are your basic asset classes. Some add alternative assets. You, you just, uh, and I see financial professionals trying to be cleverer than plain vanilla with alternative assets or corporate bonds. I start to get uncomfortable, but whatever. The standard industry or super fund will spread your money across a bunch of asset classes. And the net result is when the equity market, we all focus and the media focuses on the equity markets up this much, down that much per annum. But the truth of the matter is in one of these big industry funds or retail super funds, you have a lot of asset classes. And to give you an example of how that dumbs down your risk and volatility, when the equity market dropped about 30% in 35 days, most balanced super and industry funds run by professional managers only dropped about 8% because they haven't got 100% exposure to equities. Of course, the flip side of that is when the market recovers 30%, they only go up 8%. So it's dumbing down the volatility and risk, but also limiting your returns as well. So these funds are structures that are conservative. Even the even the aggressive option. The most fantastic thing about big industry and super funds over the last decade has been that they've spent millions of dollars on their website. So you can now, if you can remember your login, find out what your login is. If you don't know what it is, you're a bit of a dill. You should know the login to your super fund on their website. You should be aware of how much is in there, what fees you're paying, what the performance is. Is, and you can do all that on these very well-developed now websites for all the big industry and super funds. Log in and these days you can change your asset allocation very easily on the click of a button, even on your mobile phone. You can do it daily as well. It used to be you can do it once a year or something. Now you can almost do it daily. It takes a few days to affect, but you can do it daily. So make use of those. It's a great development, this click of a mouse asset allocation thing because aggressive in industry fund and super fund terms is actually conservative to a normal equity investor because it would still have an element of property exposure, cash, fixed interest, as well as equities. Even aggressive is conservative to me. So I would be sitting at my age with a job. I'd be sitting in aggressive all the time. And just occasionally when I saw a nuclear missile saying, take that Kim coming over the pub from the US to North Korea, I might just occasionally click cash. Or when I found that the stock market is on the front page of the Herald Sun for the wrong reasons. You might just click cash for a while. You can always click aggressive again later. But there you go. That's your your first option is don't set up an SMSF. Leave it where it is. It's perfectly fine. Although your returns won't be sexy, your stress levels will be very low. The other strategy, of course, is do it yourself. That is to say, cast off all the professionals, cast off the fees, take control of your own financial future. And like many of the Markers Today members, open a bog standard online trading account with then you have the major reputable banks careful of those CFD platforms. They aren't all structured so that the money goes into your bank account. They're not all structured so that the shareholdings are registered in your name. Be careful. So I would just use a bog standard reputable bank. You want to make sure you have your own HIN and your own cash management account, which exists whether that platform goes bust or not. But this is your other option. Set up a online trading account with one of the reputable platforms and invest your super yourself. Of course, sounds good Taking control. Well, let me just color that option appropriately for you. This is the riskiest option you could adopt outside of listening to a Gold Coast financial planner fronting a property developer looking to sell you an apartment off the plan. Putting your investments into your own utterly amateur hands is the other risky option do you want your super run by a complete amateur yourself you may well have been a fabulous dentist you may be super intelligent you could even be a member of mensa by the way i've never found somebody who is a member of mensa who i wanted to go on motorcycle tour with let me just tell you you may be smart but can you really transition to successful investor from other some other profession or pursuit. And you've got to ask your partner, your spouse, your children, whoever you're managing the money for, do they really want to put their financial future in the hands of an ex-football coach or ex-doctor or ex-builder? Bottom line, most of us are not equipped to invest our own money. We lack the experience, interest, passion, time, you have been warned. But for those of you who are still listening, let me tell you, in order to succeed, you are going to have to make investing a hobby. A late life hobby and it is a bit of a long road. Some of our members have been investing for decades and they still struggle with the basics and fall victim to the landmines and pitfalls all of which have to be encountered understood controlled and conquered it is not easy but the good news is what a fabulous game and if it was easy it would be tedious and investing your own money is interesting because it's hard but it's not impossible and for many of our members it is a passion provides purpose it's a reason to get out of bed in the morning stock markets never sleep everything's always changing it's always stimulating testing and uh... As one of our members once famously said, when the only organ that still pumps blood is your brain, then the stock market is as close to sex as you can get. Apologies. It's a great game, but only if you make it your passion. So that's your second option. The last option I will deal with tomorrow, it is using a financial professional. I might just write this up in the newsletter tomorrow, but using a financial professional, there is a trap that you can drop into doing that. I will explain that tomorrow. So that's about that. As I leave you, market down 56, we've been down 84. Waiting for the RBA today at 2:30. You have a fabulous day and I'll speak with you tomorrow.